0: Steve Fidel, former linebacker for the University of Pittsburgh Panthers and the Pittsburgh Steelers and you're listening to the Total Sports Recall Podcast a part of the Sports History Network. Now here's your host, Harv Aronson.
1: Welcome to Total Sports Recall. I am your host, Harv Aronson. And for those who have listened to this podcast since it began last year, you know I am from Pittsburgh and a huge Steelers fan and obviously a fan of the Pirates, Penguins, and Pit Panthers. But my guest today has a passion for the Steelers as well. So, So much so, he wrote a book about the 1947 Steelers. My guest is Steve Massey, who grew up in Mississippi in the 1970s, where he became a passionate football fan. Every weekend, Steve would tune in for NFL games, and without a professional team in his home state, he jumped on the Pittsburgh Steelers bandwagon and never lost an interest in the black and gold, as he still calls himself a fan of the team today. Like any Steelers fan, Steve Massey has seen the highest of the highs and lowest of lows with the Pittsburgh Steelers from Super Bowls in the 1970s and beyond to that lean Years that Chuck Nolan had endured late in his career and a few dismal seasons, Bill Cowher experienced. On a personal level, Steve Massey studied history and education at the University of Southern Mississippi and then coached sports for 19 years in his home state and in North Carolina. After getting married, he relocated to Athens, Georgia. As a loyal Pittsburgh Steelers fan, Steve learned as much as he could over time, and the 1947 season appealed to him in a major way. The team was coached by Jock Sutherland and finished in a first-place tie in the NFL's East Division, with the Philadelphia Eagles forcing a playoff between the two, making it the first time in their history the Steelers had made the playoffs. The Steelers would lose that game, and following the season, Sutherland passed away after suffering from an undetected brain tumor. The team would not make the playoffs again until 1972. Because of his interest in the 1947 season, Massey decided to write a book about that season and titled it Starless Steelers. It was published in 2018. So as a fellow Steelers fan and a diehard like you, Steve, I welcome you to my podcast, and it's a pleasure to be able to talk Steelers with another black and gold fan. Thank you, Harv. I appreciate you having me on. Well, Steve, let's begin with your book, Starless Steelers. How did you come up with the name for that book?
0: Coming up with the title was pretty easy because uh, toward the end of the season, uh, there was a newspaper in Wisconsin who referred to them as the Starless Steelers. And they also added that they were somewhat anonymous. And um, Starless Steelers was the uh, perfect name for the team because they had Bill Dudley the year before, who became the MVP of the league. And uh, after he left the team, that left them without a, a true star, a marquee player. Uh, so they became known for their uh, team cohesion without a star player.
1: Yeah, Bullet Bill Dudley. I certainly remember him. Uh, well, I don't know your age, Steve, but I'll be 65 this year. And when Jock Sutherland passed away, he was only 59 years old. That's pretty much a prime age for head coaching back then. And even today, that's not considered as old as we see, like Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll still coaching. What are your thoughts about how tragic Sutherland's death was?
0: Well, it was tragic for the – not. Not just for Jock, but for the for the team. I'm 57 years old, so you and I have a, a definitely a perspective on his age. Um, I don't have any doubt whatsoever that if Jock would have lived uh, and stayed with the Steelers, in the, and he certainly would have, uh, that the Steelers would have had an NFL championship at some point, uh, at least by the early 50s. They might have beaten the Eagles. The Eagles went to the NFL championship three times. Uh, They lost to the Cardinals, then beat them, and they beat the Rams for the championship. But uh, the Steelers were definitely their equal in the division.
1: Well, you know, something else I learned about Sutherland uh, while doing some research I was not aware of is that he also coached the University of Pittsburgh football team. Sutherland's teams were named at Pitt Eastern football champions seven times. Did you happen to mention anything about his coaching career at Pitt in your book?
0: I did I, uh in the biograph uh biography portion of the book I talk about Sutherland's uh, time at Pittsburgh and it's where he developed uh the his single wing offense um he he is still today one of the highest percentage winning coaches and he had uh something like he had over 100 wins and a handful of losses the time that he was there he, he had he was just as strong as Eddie Robinson or um Paul Bryant, any of wow. those guys. Uh, Pittsburgh was a powerhouse team, um, and it was because of his system.
1: Oh, that's interesting because household names uh, that you know, like, you just mentioned, like Bear Bryant and others like that, they're household names. But a lot of people don't know who Jock Sutherland was. Um, but yet, there you go. You're backing them up with some stats that are really impressive. Total Sports Recall is sponsored by Mira Artistry, where you can purchase beautiful, fine art photography and abstract art. Contact Mira Artistry in regards to commissions and availability of the pieces on her site. She would like to create something special for you. For the photography and art lovers in your life, Mira Artistry has the perfect gifts for you. Visit Mira Artistry at www.MiraArtistry.com. That's M-E-R-A-K-R-T-I-S-T-R-Y.com. Miraartistry.com. Nineteen forty-seven season, both the Eagles and the Steelers finished eight and four. Thus they had to have a one-game playoff in which the Eagles won twenty-one to nothing. I'm sure the Steelers, even with the loss of their head coach before the next season, never thought it would be another twenty-five years before they would qualify for the postseason again. What stands out most? for about the 1947 season for you?
0: Um, Well, I think the resiliency of uh, the players, they were, you know, they were under the radar and they did things that no Steelers team had ever done before. They went into Green Bay and they they beat Green Bay. Um, They had a a big safety in that game that was super important. Uh, they beat the Redskins. They they tied the Redskins, and they lost a, a heartbreaker by one point. Um, they did beat the Eagles. That was a big rivalry for the Steelers back in those days. Um, you know, I think it was just collectively it uplifted the city, uh, and it was, it was a bit like 72 because 1972, the whole town got so excited about it. Everybody in Pittsburgh yeah. um, was so happy about that team. Uh, and the Rooney's made money off of that team too, uh, which wasn't, uh, didn't happen too often back then.
1: Absolutely. And I was there to, to, to experience that growing up in Pittsburgh. Um, that was actually my first year of watching um, pro football. And I owe credit to that for the Immaculate Reception. Of course, uh, the city was just alive for that year. It was amazing. Uh, but for you, having always lived in the South, Two of the states you lived in have a pro team, the Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons, but have you ever been to an actual Steelers game?
0: Uh yes, I've been to four or five of them. And actually, okay, cool. uh the Falcons being my hometown. The Falcons are my hometown team. So I always want them to do well. But unfortunately, <laughs> I've only been to three Falcons games and they were all against the Steelers, and so I had to boo my hometown team. Uh, you know, we all, wherever Steelers go, we take over the stadium. And uh, I've, right. I've got to get to a Falcons game where they're not playing the Steelers because, you know, I, I really I let the Falcons have it whenever they're playing the Steelers.
1: Uh, I'm actually – just like you said, I'm sure you weren't alone in that stadium. I mean, the Steelers, uh, I always hear this, they travel well, they travel well. But that's only partly true because, like myself yep. in Jacksonville, Florida, there's thousands of Pittsburghers down here. Uh, a lot of these stadiums that you see filled with Steeler fans aren't only because they're traveling. It's because a lot of ex-Pittsburghers and then people that just like the Steelers are already living there. So um, it's crazy. And it's funny because. Yeah, the, a-
0: the part part of the. Ir-
1: yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Harv. I was just going to say I had a no, part, part of the situation. irony.
0: Is- mm-hmm. Go ahead, Steve. Part of part of the irony about the decline of the steel industry was that mm-hmm. you know a lot of a lot of Pittsburgh folks had to go elsewhere to find work, and when they did, they they spread the the nation got spread throughout the United States. Yeah. So right. there's a lot of families and, and guys like myself and my son that are Steelers fans now. Sure. I've only mm-hmm. been to Pittsburgh once, and it was in the summer of '91, mm-hmm. and so I saw the Pirates, but I didn't get to see them uh, at, at Three Rivers. Wow.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that when we were talking about this fans filling the stadiums, I had a a bet with a local DJ down here, a little sportscaster down here in Jacksonville years ago when the Steelers were coming to town. And I got on the radio with him while he was on the air and I I asked him, so how many Steelers fans are going to be in the stadium this this weekend, this Sunday? And he said, "Ah, maybe 5,000. I said, are you crazy? I said, that stadium would be filled with Steelers fans. And I went to the game, Steve, and oh, my God, I stood up at the at the opening kickoff and looked around, and it was nothing but Steelers fans. I was like, this is insane. Yep. So I called him back that Monday, Yeah. and I said, so now what do you think, Dempsey? Uh, uh, how many fans do you think were in that stadium last night? Uh, maybe 15,000. I said, what game were you at? I said, there was a easy 35,000 people there. Easy. It was crazy. And that was going to be my next question. Have you ever been to Pittsburgh? And well, what are then- your thoughts of of the city
0: were or are well uh, when i when i went to pittsburgh it was in the summer of 1991 and i was going to visit a friend of mine um and i, I enjoyed it it was it was a nice town it's i mean it's been many you know 91 was a long time ago but um mm-hmm. i did i did go to the uh, pirates game and that was good it was a pitchers duel unfortunately uh, but uh, I, I like the city a lot, it's one of the nicer places I've ever been to, to tell you the truth.
1: Yeah, and I just turned my uh laptop around so you can see the backdrop. So I always have a taste at home behind me in my studio. There's the backdrop of the city of Pittsburgh at night. Um, and I love it, it's it always gives me the reminder of, of where I came from. Uh, so Next question for you, Steve. Who's your favorite player ever for the Steelers, and why?
0: That's you know that's a that is a really tough question. Mm -hmm. Uh, So (laughs) it's changed over the years. Yeah, you know, originally it was Jack Lambert.
1: Oh, everybody's top (laughs)
0: ten, but 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 researching researching the Steelers. Now, as an older person, and understanding the impact that he had on the team, it was—it's Joe Green, because mm-hmm. Joe, i mean, Joe is—if—if if Joe is not Mister Steeler, then it's—it's it's either Lambert or Ernie Stautner. Yeah. Um but Joe was just such an inspiration to so many people. He's—he's—he's he's, he's literally a legend because mm-hmm. there's so many stories about him. Um, sure. That you know that have gone down throughout the years. I think it's. I think now it's it's Joe um, that you know. I I've just had so many favorite players that have been there.
1: Well, know. Joe is the cornerstone of that steel curtain defense. He was the first one on the scene to get that defense going where it was going. Um, absolutely one of the greatest defensive uh, linemen in history, hands down, no doubt about it. Um, and definitely, he was the key, integral part of that defense. Um, so we're talking about history, but now let's go to 23, 20, 23, 23 the twenty three twenty four season. What I'm trying to say, Steve, Pittsburgh had an up and down season in not. Yeah. not- if not for the Jaguars, losing to the Houston Texans, the Steelers would not have made that playoff game last week with Buffalo. With that said, in my opinion, Mason Rudolph saved the season for Pittsburgh. That's my opinion. And I think Mike Tomlin says Penny – well, he's already said it. Kenny Pickett's going to be number one going into next summer's training camp as the starter. What's your feeling about that in this ensuing quarterback battle? And that is whether or not Mason Rudolph decides to come back and compete. My
0: my feeling on it is that if Mason – come back, Mason needs to be the starter. Um, Absolutely. It's not that he's that much much better than Kenny, but, I mean, Mason was on. Mason was kind of an old-school quarterback because when he got that pressure in the pocket, he didn't tuck that ball away and run. He stood in there, and he was gutsy, Mm -hmm. and he made great throws. Uh, And he was well-prepared for those three games, and he didn't play that badly in Buffalo. No um, competition is healthy, you know, Ray man's Ray Mansfield said that the thing that he loved about football was that you had to earn your spot every year, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so I feel like Mason needs to be the number one quarterback, but I think it needs to be open, you know, I think sure. Kenny should get his shot at getting his job back. Yep. And I'm sure I'm sure we won't have Mitch around. I'm sure we won't have Mitch Trubisky. So. You think so?
1: I, I, All I've heard is guy. that he is. I heard somebody, a couple of experts, saying yesterday he is so gone it's not even it's not even worth talking about. They will not bring him back. And now I'm reading the Twitter this morning, and there's a lot of talk about uh, Justin Fields coming over. So I just don't know about that. Um, but my fear is that Mason Rudolph. I don't doesn't know. Win well, too. I mean,
0: I- yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I'm just saying that I don't I don't know that they need to bring in a Justin Fields, you know. Mm. I mean, because you've got two quarterbacks that are you know, we've got other areas that we need to fix. We offensive line would sure. be one, you know. Um to to me that to me that's the big one, although you know, our rookies blossomed late, but we did have some good play out of the rookies, including Joey Porter Jr. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the guy from UGA, Washington, that big tight end, he, yeah. he he wasn't talked about enough because I can tell you he cleared some people out of the way mm-hmm. for our running game late in the sure. season. Yeah,
1: so, I really like Broderick Jones, too. I think he's going to be a stud. Um, but one of
0: my fears is that too. Mason
1: comes in and it doesn't win the starting job. And I just can't see him wanting to sit on the sidelines for another entire season. So. Uh, hopefully we'll. See. Yeah, yeah, I I hope he wins the job. To tell you the truth, I mean, I liked Kenny Pickett, but I think that Mason all around is a better quarterback. We'll see. Uh, you know, you started to talk about some yeah. of the uh, players and some of the needs.
0: What do you think are the biggest needs for the
1: Steelers heading into next season?
0: I think it's definitely the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm concerned about some of the players. You know. Getting, getting on in years now um, over on the defensive side. But to me, I just think we have – if you if you get an offensive line in front of those two backs that we've got, and we start to run kind of a systematic thing where we're running the ball more than most NFL teams, we're going to be in great shape. Our offensive line isn't terrible, but it just it needs help, you know. Mm-hmm. So that to me, that's the number one need at uh, this point. And I saw that even the day after I wouldn't worry about outside I, would, I wouldn't worry about uh I wouldn't worry about outside linebacker, I'll put it like that. And sure. Highsmith and T J, you know. That's that's a that's a strength. You didn't ask me that, but I'm gonna tell you those two guys are those two guys are fantastic.
1: Well, don't forget about Nick Harvey that kid is going to be a stud as well. I mean, he is amazing. He, he, to me, he reminds me a lot of TJ Watt. He's right in the same mold. Um, he's going to make a lot
0: of noise yeah. down the road. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. And TJ and, and TJ and Highsmith will be great mentors. You know, oh, yeah. That's another thing too. That's Absolutely. always so important.
1: Yeah. I don't uh, think the defense has much to worry about, although he probably just want to fine tune the safety area. Um, definitely need a punter without yeah. question. Harmon was just terrible. Uh, but I saw the day after the Buffalo game, they already started bringing in uh, free agent offensive linemen. So they're really focusing on that, um, which leads me to the yeah. man at the top. So Mike Tomlin was uh, liked, disliked, yes. hated, hated. Yes. Uh, and then he said he's coming back. Yep. And now they're talking about extension. So were you disappointed that he's coming back? Or are you happy that he's coming yeah. back?
0: Well, you said Mike Tomlin was liked and disliked. I don't, I don't feel either one. I love Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's mm-hmm. a great coach. Um, and a lot of times when people talk bad about Mike Tomlin, they don't know what they're talking about. Because I can tell you this right now. I remember the Super Bowl 14 and Super Bowl 30. I waited 16 years for them to get back in the Super Bowl. And as far as winning a Super Bowl, it took 27 years from from the last Super Bowl to the next one, I think it's twenty seven. Chuck yeah. Knoll had six losing seasons. Bill Cowher had three. And people mm-hmm. can make fun of and shrug off the fact that Mike Tomlin has never had a losing record. They're absolutely insane. Right. And what are you gonna? Who are you gonna replace him with? What's mm-hmm. better? What's mm-hmm. better than Mike Tomlin? Because if Mike Tomlin got fired, he'd be snapped up in about two seconds. Oh yeah. Okay, that's that's all I, that's all I know to say. Uh I don't I'm on Twitter, I don't engage in a lot of stuff like that. Uh these these folks are human beings and you know they're they're people just like us. And I don't I don't like the way that that Tomlin's detractors make things personal. Not all of them do, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but I'm just saying for my part we would be insane to get rid of Mike Tomlin. Well, there you go. That's all I noticed about that. Yeah. I was clear on my feelings.
1: No, that's absolutely crystal clear. Um, but the thing about it, I think when fans, okay. is that they're just getting frustrated yeah. as far as playoff victories go, and that was the big thing. Um, but I'll tell you what, to his credit. I am when too. When he came back. Yeah, yeah. To his credit, that first press conference he had after the Buffalo game, he did himself – a big uh favor by speaking the way he did um i think he earned a hell of a lot of respect after how he came out he admitted to what needs to be done um i think the day he said when he said that we are absolutely bringing in an outside offensive coordinator that was the the best statement he made since the buffalo game because that's going to make a lot of people happy and hopefully it'll be one of these big names personally i want it either to be Brian Lepwich or Eric Biennemi. One of those two would be absolutely outstanding as an offensive coordinator for Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, I don't, what I do guess, you? I guess it's wishful thinking to, to to wish that we could bring Mike Vrabel in, but I don't know if he would, <laughs> I just don't think he'd be interested in that. um Yeah. So that's but me. I, I think Tomlin's already put us
1: in the right direction. And I already, even though the season's not even over, our season's just ended last week, and I already have a really, really good feeling about next year. The only question mark for me is going to be that quarterback position, and that, that's going to make the difference, uh,
0: I think, be where we go. And, I, you know, I want to I make sure that, you know, that everybody understands that, you know, I'm a Kenny Pickett fan. It, it wouldn't bother me one bit if he was the uh, the opening day starting quarterback. But I'm just, from my point of view, you got you got to make Mason, Mason earn the job. I hate to have somebody lose their job due to injury, but right. Mason, Mason was fantastic. And, you know, I just think he should have a shot at well, Steve, we've been talking a
1: lot of football here, uh, so I want to ask you: Is this the only sport you're a fan, on, a fan of? And if not, what other sports do you follow or do you like?
0: Well, I, I like I like all team sports. Uh, I'm a I'm a basketball and baseball fan. Um, I like hockey. I don't know a lot about the sport, but I have had my hockey phases. Um, but I, I like basketball and baseball too. I coached basketball for 11 years. Oh, cool. Um, so, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good sport and I like it. Yeah. uh on yeah. what level yeah. did you, you know, be living in, I live in Georgia. Now. I coached high school and middle school. Okay. And I, I coached uh middle school in North Carolina. And that was the, that was the big thrill. Cause I was at a, a little school there. Mm uh for about 13 years and i was able i can say that i coached basketball in north carolina it may have been 13 and 14 year olds but i coached it so hey yeah coaching is coaching that's great well the final word is going to go to you
1: steve and i want you to let our listeners know where they can purchase your current book uh where they can find you on social media other projects obviously we spoke before we came on the air um about a new book you're writing so you can tell us about that and anything else you'd like to add
0: Oh, thank you. Uh, book Starless Steelers is available on Amazon uh, and basically any online bookseller. Um, you could uh, you could pick it up there. It's also in Kindle format and in uh, soft cover. It's about the size of a, a, a just a regular book. It's about two hundred and fifty pages. The book that I'm currently working on now um, is about the Steelers organization uh, from the time period of nineteen sixty nine to nineteen seventy four. It's five year period. Uh, and it's it's not simply a, a, a retelling of the Steelers' great run, which it was great, but I'm going to talk about um, how the coaching and the players and the scouting meshed to turn the Steelers from a, a team into what I think is a revolutionary organization because they changed football completely and they evolved. Um, the best example of that is obviously the, the uh, front four, the steel curtain, uh, not only finding the personnel, but watching its development and perfection, which came along with George Perlis. I talk about assistant coaches and I talk about uh, scouts and not just Bill Nunn. Um, I have a lot of the other scouts included um, and I'm, I'm hoping for big things out of this book. And I'm, I've almost got it finished, um, but I've just got to have some, uh, do some editing and, and so forth.
1: Excellent. Um,
0: I think that's it. I think that's it, All or right. unless yeah. you so have any, anything you, I heard something
1: on, Yeah, I heard something on the radio today. You're talking about uh, the Steelers organization itself, and I heard somebody commenting that no matter how they played this season, no matter how it ended, say what you want about the Steelers, they are still a class of organization, uh, and they are still one of the elite organizations, and that is so true. And I mentioned to somebody yesterday, in talking that Le'Veon Bell uh, came to the team before the playoff game, um, and just to show you that they say once a Steeler, always a Steeler. Despite him turning his back on the Steelers for that one season and leaving the mm-hmm. team, he was welcomed into the locker room as a Steeler, <laughs> and, and that's the way it is uh, yeah. uh, in the atmosphere in, in a Pittsburgh Steelers locker room within that organization.
0: Well, you know, there's always there's always a, a, an open door for the players to come back, including you know Terry Bradshaw, who doesn't have a lot of fond memories of the place. Le'Veon, mm-hmm. as an individual, you know, it's hey, we're we're a capitalist country, and mm-hmm. if you got skills, you should sell them, and that's mm-hmm. that's what he did. But he still he came back, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm glad he's back. Good good dude, missed him a lot. Yep. Absolutely, and he was a great player. And It's just unfortunate that he decided to go elsewhere
1: because uh, he would have definitely made a difference this season. When he sat out, um, but it's been a pleasure I having agree. you on the show, Steve. Um, and we'll, we'll sure talk again. And if you send me some links to your stuff, um, every every guest on my show gets a, a page on my website. So if you send me some links for stuff, I'll put that in on your page when I create that. But uh, for this episode, that's a wrap. And uh, this is uh, the final closing of Total Sports Recall for today. And it's been great fun having another Stewards fan on the show. So I thank Steve Massey for joining me to discuss the Stewards. And be sure to purchase his book, especially if you love the Stewards. And I know there's tons of you out there. Uh, so for Steve Massey, this is Harm Aronson. And I encourage you to visit my website at www.totals recall.com And if you wish, you can reach out to me on Twitter using my handle at TSRHar59 or by email using the address recall at gmail.com. Tomorrow, I will be interviewing a basketball player, Tim Glass. So be sure to return to Total Sports Recall tomorrow night for that episode. Until then, I wish everyone...
0: The contents of this podcast do not represent the opinions of others and are solely the opinions of Harv Aronson based on his experience, knowledge, and research.